again James 5:13 through 19. And this is what it says. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on that land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, I will keep reading through 20. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. And the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. This week, 40%, oops, sorry, I always forget to mask off. Uh, according to the news this week, 40% of the nation is exceptionally happy and 40% of the nation is exceptionally sad and 20% of the nation have no idea what happened this week. <laughs> so uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, no matter where you land on the spectrum, you don't need to tell me if you're sad or, or not. Just tell me that you love Jesus. That's what I want to hear. You know, we serve an audience of one, amen? Christ Jesus. We serve an audience of one. Um, you know, the Salvation Army could disappear tomorrow, as I said last week. Jesus is still on the throne, amen? You know, the United States could disappear tomorrow. Jesus is still on the throne, amen? Amen. You know, uh, COVID could kill half the population of the world. And you know where Jesus still sits? He's still on the throne. Praise the Lord. And with COVID, I should say that we have two large families. That they're not uh, deathly ill or anything. We have two large families that are out this week due to COVID and a smaller family. Uh, so we just want to keep them in our prayers. It is serious, but uh, we do want to make sure that uh, we're doing the right thing um, with them. We have an exceptional ministry team here. I see Congress Lisa back there. They're just amazing. We just love you guys. And we love uh, Bell, Chase and Bell. Um, you know, I, I actually bought, or didn't buy, I, I actually have um, Kelly's first Christmas present from Jenny and I, and I got it uh, before she was born. It's a little, you know those little toys that make all the squeaky sounds and everything else, and it's actually a video can controller. Yeah. <laughs> got to start them young. <laughs> got to start them young. Anyway, that's totally off what I was going with today. <laughs> well, we've been studying through James. And we're finishing up this week. And it's just a reminder, remember, James was written for who? Us, the church. It's written for us, the church. You know, sometimes we read God's word and we, we think, oh, that's written for that uncircumcised Philistine outside. That guy outside that's uh, not saved. We need to go hit him over the head with this. No, this is written for us. The James' word are written for us, the church. In fact, uh, one thing the church needs to remember is um, there's an urgency to the gospel message. In James chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, it says, patience in suffering. I'll tell you right now, never pray for patience. God always answers that prayer. Always answers that prayer. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Remember, we talked about that before. James wrote this as a reminder that Christ is coming back. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Stand firm. 
because the Lord's coming is near. Praise the Lord. You know, for over 2,000 years, uh, these words and many other uh, eschatological words have been written, and uh, all as an encouragement for the church, but also a warning for the church, a reminder that, hey, Jesus is coming back. You know, when your mom told you to clean your room and she was coming back? She did. Yeah. So when God's word says Jesus is coming back, get your house in order. Get your room in order. We as believers are called to prepare for Christ's return. It's with an urgency that James writes this. The urgency for believers to be ready for Christ's return. Um, He's going to come back, take his church up for seven years, and there'll be a tribulation, judgment, all sorts of crazy stuff going on. You don't want to be part of that. But uh, James gives uh, example after example of warning, guidance, and encouragement. In fact, as we went through the God's word here in James, we were told about trials and temptations uh, to be ready and don't lead yourself astray um, away from God. Listen to the word of God and go do it. Treat all believers with love, uh, with the love of Christ. Faith and deeds go together. Remember the two paddles we had in here that Jenny did a great job putting that stuff on with her cricket. Faith and deeds go together. Um, she has faith and she had a deed. Just realized that. I should have said that <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> Speak the truth in love and control your tongue. Submit to God and the devil will flee. And scripture we're not looking at today, but uh, don't put your trust in finances, but put your trust in the Lord. All these statements um, are key to victorious Christian living. And so we finish up here in chapter 5 with the reality of living a holy Christian life. And you will stick out as a believer, and you're going to suffer for that. That's part of being a believer. Um, but he tells us how to get through that. You know, this, um, this last part of chapter 5 is a great intercalation, which, remember, that's one of those fancy words for bookends. So remember, next time you have bookends in your house, and somebody comes over, say, that's, that's my intercalation that holds my uh, books together. It's a bookend. So intercalation, there's trials and tas- temptations in the beginning and the end of that. How do we deal with that? Prayer. Got to do that prayer. We're going to face trials and temptations, part of life. And how do we deal with that? It's the answer is prayer. Right, our first idea here. By the way, can we go back to that picture? You know, I I typed uh, angry, happy man. And I got this picture and I thought, wow, that is so true for this week. (laughs) All right, go to the next one, Josh, thanks. All right, praise and petition. So if you have your Bible open, keep it at James chapter 5, verse 13 to 15. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. The first part of that. I mean, how many times have we in your own personal life called out to God because you were in trouble? Are you in trouble? Suffering? Afflicted? You have some kind of physical ailment? You've got a, I don't know, personality issues with friends or finances who knows are you in trouble the answer pray are you happy are you happy cheerful and good spirit sing songs of praise give praise to the lord um good stuff when you're in the midst of hardship though we want to complain don't we why am i in the midst of this hardship it's because of that guy right because of that lady because of this thing whatever this thing might be and yet we're told to give the Lord praise. First Corinthians says this, and this is one of those things that you don't want to hear when you're in the midst of trouble. 
because you want to think that our situation is the only person going through this situation. And then God has you open up the 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 13. No temptation has seized you what is common to man. Then you're like, really, Lord? No, mine is really specific. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Uh, if you don't have Reggie as a friend on your Facebook page, you need to do, do that. He uh, posted a great picture this week of him wearing a mask and a pile of donuts. And uh, I think it's something like um, he's wondering how he's going to be able to eat the donuts through the mask. So the mask was protecting him. But there's, there's a temptation that's common to man. You know, I've been trying to lose some weight, and uh, that, that is a temptation. But you know what? There were lots of doors out of that room, right? At least one. <laughs> Nobody locked you in there, I hope. But uh, so there's a way out. There's always a way out. So the words of Paul are clear. Temptation, hardship, suffering is common to the Christian life. So what's a believer to do? We pray. We pray. We don't pretend like the issue doesn't exist. Don't we want to do that sometimes? We just want to pretend, oh, well, I'll, if I just ignore it, it'll go away, right? Have you ever watched a horror movie before and the person just tries to pretend like the evil guy's not there? Well, he's there. Your issue is still there. You need to pray about it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Second part of that is be happy, full of cheer. As a Christian, you can be. Your soul is with Christ Jesus. Sometimes, I don't know if you watch the news or you run into people, they're just mad and bitter. And I'm thinking, wow, you were just completely missing out on life when you should be full of joy. Be full of joy. Notice where James goes next. Um, he asks if a member of the church is sick. Why is that? Two reasons. First, uh, we're to look out for each other as the body of Christ. And the second is, is to tie back to the acknowledgement that he talked about earlier. It's not enough to acknowledge somebody's misery. Right? Someone tells you something, and you're like, hey, I'll pray for you, brother. And they go walking off, and you go walking off, and no prayer took place. No, it's the whole idea we're supposed to call the elders of the church, call others to help us, to pray over us. We may not be able to fix it. Someone comes to the door and says, I'm $15,000 behind in rent. I can't fix that. I can pray for you. I can pray for God's wisdom and discernment. I can encourage you, but I can't wave a magic wand and, you're, and all of a sudden your mortgage is paid. I can still encourage you. I can still love you. Faith and works out in the faith and works played out in the body of Christ. If there's a sick uh, family member, sick or infirm, check out the rem the remedy here. Call the elders of the church, pray over him, and anoint him with oil, and. Uh, a lot of people get mixed up on the oils. There's some kind of holy oil. Does Nadra have like a special store that you can buy some? Uh, you know, when we went to Italy, um, you can buy holy water. Uh, I wanted to buy some, but I didn't actually buy some. I just like the rose smell. But uh, there's not super extra virgin oil that you need to go buy so you can start anointing people with, with oils. The whole idea that in the Old Testament times, uh, it was used for more than just eating bread. Um, anybody like uh, olive oil? And uh, it's, it's so good. Uh, can you imagine that? Somebody comes over and then puts it on your forehead. Yeah, it's so good. Um, here in James, he talks about two different ways. It was very uh, used for medical purposes back then, but also it's an expression of community. It's an expression of community and uh, a sacramental part of worship. It's like you're worshiping together. And uh, it's the touch. Uh, humans, we need touch. Anointing them with oil. Says you're part of the community. I love you. Christ loves you. We're part of that community. Sacramental. 
the elders of the church, it's not the pastor. It's not the pastor. It's the church. You know, Ian talks about that all the time. It's, it's about us, the church, praying for each other. We need to do that. Go out and say hello. Part of the family. Adoption into the family. To remain faithful to the point where we trust the Lord for the outcome, no matter what, uh, what happens. We're going to trust in the Lord for the outcome. You know, uh, one of my favorite, I have a lot of, I would say this, don't I? I have a favorite passage of scripture every week, but it's true. I have lots of them. But, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace, and he tells them, oh, he's like, just bow down and worship to me, right? And uh, otherwise, I'm going to have to throw you in the fiery furnace. And, you know, they said, oh, king, oh, great king, but, uh, you know, our Lord will save us. But even if he doesn't, I still will not bow down to you. You know, sometimes we're in the midst of some kind of trouble or temptation or some kind of horrible thing that we can't change. It seems bigger than the whole world. We don't know what we're going to do. I'm still going to trust in Christ. I'm still going to trust in God. He's still on the throne. No temptation has seized me except what is common to man. He's got a way out of this. But Lord, help me to use it for your glory. Second idea, provision. And, uh, James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. The whole idea of fellowship, community. Uh, God's word tells us in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's a reminder that we live faith out individually, but also in community. We can't just, this is why the COVID thing is so dangerous. We can't just sit at home. We need to live in community. Live in community. There are limitations to this. There was one time a skit long time ago, uh, galaxy far, far away, 80s, and uh, there's a skit I watched on TV about a person who walks up to you and tells you too much. I think we've all met this person. And you're a complete stranger, and they're telling you about their deepest, darkest sins. And so in this skit, the person walks up to someone, complete stranger, and says, I'm committing adultery. It's a bit shocking. <laughs> Uh, personally, as a pastor, I've had people come up to me and tell me all sorts of intimate details about stuff. And our first appointment, we had a, uh, a gentleman in his 80s or something, and uh, we sit down, having coffee, and he d proceeds to tell me the inner details of his colonoscopy. Yeah. I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> I didn't know what he was talking about, and he had pictures he wanted to show me. Later in life, I had my own colonoscopy, and I realized it wasn't so bad. And so I, I put my pictures up. Josh, you want to show the... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so walk it. Amen, brother. Don't show that. Walking up to a person new in the faith and telling them about your deepest, darkest sin is not what James is talking about here, right? Hey, I just met you. Let me tell you about my deepest, darkest sins. That's not what James is saying here. He says, confess your sins to each other if we want healing, spiritual healing to take place. If we harbor hate towards someone, seek forgiveness from them and from God. Be free. Be free. That's the point here. Church, body healing, community. That's what he's trying to convey here. We can't be going to the Lord seeking answers to prayer while we hold bitterness in our own heart. Matthew chapter 5, verse uh, 23 to 24. Jesus said this. It's been read in my Bible, so it's very important. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar... And there, remember that, that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there from in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. James is basically restating that here, too. Jesus has already commanded we're to love God and love people. 
and people are our brothers in Christ. So confess your sins to each other is a practical part of church fellowship. Not, don't hold bitterness against each other. Man, we're going to spend eternity with each other. Let's love Jesus. Let's do that. Uh, you know, um, but remember, we're human. We're human. And uh, not every encounter with somebody in the church is going to be a kumbaya moment. Big shock. Big shock. Somewhere in America, I had to speak to a certain officer who was hiring his certain brother-in-law to ha- to, uh, who used to be a gardener, uh, a year and a half before, and now was flipping houses, uh, who wanted a $2 million contract from the Salvation Army, and I had to say no, and this person got mad, and then, uh, and then he got so mad at me, actually, um, he, he tried to go around, and I stopped him again, he, he actually, uh, well, anyway, I stopped that one, then he did, he went around me, he had another contract with his brother-in-law, and uh, the poor guy messed it up, because he's not really a contractor, he's a gardener. So I had to talk to him again, and this time I brought somebody in with me, and uh, he got so mad at me, he, he crumpled up the contract and threw it, threw it in my face. This is another believer. And uh, so not every believer you're going to talk to is going to have a super positive experience when you're trying to confront them on something. That's just the way things go. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verses uh, 15 and 17 says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother over. But if he will not listen to you, take one or two others along so that every uh, matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or tax collector. That's kind of harsh. What we want, though, is Christian unity, right? We want everybody to say, you know what, right, man? I'm, I, we may disagree, but if I've offended you, forgive me. Forgive me, right? That's the way it should work. But I'm just telling you right now, it's not always kumbaya. So we have to be worried about, about ourselves in that statement. We want to live our lives totally before the Lord. Totally before the Lord. We want Christian unity. You know, Psalm 66, 18, I think those are all up there. Maybe. Yep. Psalm 66, 18, if, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This is why it's so important to have a clear heart, a clear conscience before the Lord. We want our prayers to be heard. Amen? When we're crying out to the Lord, we want to say, Lord, I need a hand. And then God, you can hear the Holy Spirit talking to you. Oh, yeah, well, what about, you know, take care of, mm? and you're like, oh, well, you had to bring that up. Proverbs uh, 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. I want the Lord to hear my prayer. And finally, in 516, and I love this, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Notice that God is not a vending machine. He's not a vending machine. But he does hear the prayers of the righteous. And he tells us and invites us to invite the elders over to pray over us, anoint us with oil. He does tell us to bring other people around us that encourage us. We just have to deal with ourselves. Third idea here is personification. Those are all great ideas, Major, but what does that mean for me? And this is where James really brings it down to us. And it's my, one of my favorite parts of scripture. And, um, you know, I used to read the scripture every week with my sister, and we prayed for 10 years for my parents to get saved. 10 years. I know I told you this story before, but uh, one day my sister and I were about to pray for my parents, and I don't recommend this. And uh, we've been praying 10 years for my parents to get saved. And uh, this time I'm already a pastor, Salvation Army. And I said, you know what? I'm not praying for them this week. And my sister's like, what? I said, you know what? If they want to go to hell, that's their own deal. I'm not praying for them this week. You know, my sister got so freaked out about that 
She called them, told my parents what I said. My parents went to the altar that Sunday. <laughs> In that case, it was the lack of prayer of a righteous man, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but praise the Lord. Um, so I love this scripture here. James fa- uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. Now, if you have your Bible open, I want you to look at that. 5.17. See, see if you see it. I'm going to read it again. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, on the, and it didn't rain in the land for three and a half years. Elijah was a man just like us. Just like us. Isn't that incredible? When you think of Elijah, you don't think of a man just like me. You think of a spiritual giant, of somebody I want to be when I grow up, of somebody that is so amazing. And yet, James says, Elijah was a man just like us. Just like us. A mighty man of faith. Not a superhuman guy, not Superman, just a regular guy. And so when we're told the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, King James Version, is powerful and effective. And then we're told Elijah was a man just like us. It puts us in a completely different perspective. That means my prayer can be powerful and effective. Your prayer can be powerful and effective. Our prayer can be powerful and effective. That's what that means. Not superhuman. Over the years, I've been blessed to witness many men and women of God praying over things and seeing God's hand work and uh, just, oh, just saying, praise the Lord. In fact, if you know me, I say praise the Lord all the time. I praise, I'll say praise the Lord when things are going well. And uh, sometimes I say praise the Lord, it's just going to work out. Or I'll say praise the Lord, it'll be great. Now, that has two meanings when I say that. That means uh, literally, praise the Lord, everything's going to be great, or praise the Lord, the earth is on fire right now. Because I just say praise the Lord, right? We do that all the time. Somebody comes to my office, something horrible, praise the Lord, let's figure it out. <laughs> but when we pray, we pray with the idea that the Lord, um, uh, let's just say, actually, sometimes we pray without the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever done that before? We pray without the power of the Holy Spirit. We just throw up words. Like uh, there's, I remember a youth group, they had a, a Velcro wall. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Put somebody in some little suit and they'd run and jump off this thing and stick to the wall. Ever see those? Sometimes we pray like that, right? We just run and stick, see what sticks. Um, but we miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit. We miss out. We give lip service to the power. Sometimes we pray Lord, if you can. Ever do, done that before? Lord, if you can. If you can. Of course he can. He created the heavens and the earth. He holds the atoms together. He created the beginning and the end. Of course he can. That's pray with the power of the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge his power and provision. Lord, your will be done, not mine. In fact, sometimes I pray, uh, Lord, uh, your will be done, and Lord, keep me out of the way me out of the way. Sometimes I'm confused, and I don't know what, what to pray for. But I say, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. James gives us the example of Elijah as a biblical giant 
to remind us that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, but also to remind us that our prayers can be powerful and effective. And, but I think you need to remember uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. And this is one of those, another one of those uh, things you need to underline in your Bible if it's not underlined already is uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Sometimes we as the church, we're like, ooh, I don't know what I could do. And, you know, I'm kind of weak Christian man or weak Christian lady because I'm supposed to be humble. No, no. For he did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. His power living in us. It's not my, not my, my power. It's a spirit of power of love and self-discipline. That's what God gave us. That's the gift. When you think about the gifts under the tree, it's not the stocks. It's the spirit of power. That's what Christ gave us. Is anyone happy? I hope you are. I hope so. I pray for the full joy of Christ. And that your heart is overflowing with the love of Christ. And you can't keep Jesus within. It just kind of leaks out all over the place. We know that living a Christian life is not easy. It's not easy. And we don't have answers to a lot of things. In fact, most of the time I have to say, I have no idea. Or I say, praise the Lord, it's going to be great. <laughs> James reminded us that uh, there's still temptation in the world. Human nature still exists. The church is not perfect. My goodness, uh, I'm not perfect. And uh, I'm sure I've offended everybody in this room probably multiple times in my life. And if I have, I ask your forgiveness. We're not perfect. We're broken people. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a risen Savior. So how do we deal with the pettiness of everyday life, those issues that are around us and we don't know what to do? How do we get that joy of, the, of Christ within us? We pray. We seek forgiveness. We lift each other up in prayer. We anoint each other with oil. We wash each other's feet. Man, if washing your feet or anointing you with oil is going to help you have a closer walk with the Lord, I'm going to buy some oil and soap and water right now. Soap and whatever. We're the church, the body. There's so many people outside these doors that are just living in just bitterness and lack of joy and confusion. And they need us, the church. They don't need us to say that, oh, we got it all together and here's my seven uh, step to whatever. They need to see us as real, the real church. Not perfect, but being made perfect in Christ. Pray, pray, pray. Because it takes the focus off us and puts it on Christ. We can be assured the Lord is working our midst because God is not looking for us to be a supernatural person. He's not looking for that. He's not looking for us to be a superhuman, super Christian person. He's looking for us to be who we are, to be normal, but trusting in him. Trusting in him. Have faith that God's will, who can shut up the heavens and stop it from raining, God can do that through us. He can do that. We have served the Lord. We serve a Lord that doesn't, hasn't left us alone, but is with us right now. God is looking for faithful people to be steadfast. You know, we played this uh, song this week that I had no idea we were going to play. It was, um, uh, human hearts are often tender and human minds can pity know. Human love is touched with splendor and human hands compassion show. Then how much more 
shall God our Father, in love forgive, in love forgive. So how much more shall God our Father, our wants supply and then deny? Sometimes we think of God as being somebody who just wants to crush our spirit. No, God wants to release your spirit, to lift you up, to let you live under his power and love, to live under his ability to live the holy life that he desires us. Because we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit within us, and we need the body of Christ around us so we can be his disciples here on earth today. For you at home, I want to say that uh, we're going to enter a time of prayer in just a minute. And uh, if the Lord's been speaking to you at home or here, um, you've got something on your heart, this time we're about to pray right now is that time to deal with that. You know, I always think that, uh, you know, you never take your car into the mechanic, and the mechanic tells you you need uh, something that gets fixed. And then you say, well, thanks a lot, and I'm going to drive it out of here or push it back out. We don't do that. When we come to church, when we come to church either online or here, and someone's been speaking to God's been speaking to us even before we got here. I am not the important thing here. Christ's word, the word of God is important. He's been speaking to us. We need to deal with those things. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. We all do. It'd be a mistake to come in the door and leave the same way you, you walked in. I say today, leave here in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're here knowing that this book of James was written for me, and I want to live that Christian life, victorious for Jesus. And so if you're praying at home, praying here, um, we're praying in our seats, but uh, the whole COVID thing, we have to be careful. But uh, we're going we're gonna to pray. And if the Lord's been speaking this morning, I encourage you to pray at your seat. Take, take it before the Lord. Uh, but also, um, if you're at home, uh, contact us during the week. Contact us here during the week, too. We'd love to pray with you. And if you're sick, you want me to come over and anoint you with oil? Man, Ian and I will be right over. <laughs> we'll do that. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for uh, your patience in us, Lord. We thank you for that. And Lord, we just place our lives on your altar, Lord. And we thank you for your, uh, for your presence in our lives, Lord. We thank you that you've placed people around us to love us, Lord, even when we were... Uh, unknowing what love was really about, Lord. We thank you that you answer prayers before we even ask them, Lord, and we thank you that you answer the prayers that we ask for that are done in accordance with your will. Lord, we want to be your holy people, Lord. We want to be the light, the beacon on the hill, Lord. Lord, we want to be that family that is inviting other people in, Lord, and loving them right where they are, just as you do, Lord. We want to encourage people to grow, Lord. We want to grow ourselves, Lord. We want to be your church here. Lord, this, this world is topsy-turvy, but it's always been topsy-turvy. From the moment Adam and Eve left the garden until the moment of your return, we will always be in a topsy-turvy Lord, uh, world. Lord. So Lord, we, 